Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Hello and welcome to this week's Health and Fitness with me, David Hollywood. And me, Chloe Farrell. Chloe, you're live in studio. Look, I thought you could do with a bit of supervision at this point. I'm very grateful and it's uh, great to have you in considering that you've been on the show every week bringing us um, so much news and perspective from so many clubs and communities around the Midlands. Now we get to actually have a chat about what all of our listeners are listening to. So uh, it's a nice little next step, isn't it? Definitely. I had to kind of push my way into studio to just get myself out there. Okay. Since you're in with us this evening, can you tell us what's coming up on the show? So very shortly, you'll be brought to the National Ploughing Championships to hear about the future of hiking and hill walking. Communities are coming together this weekend to support those who have Alzheimer's and those who help those who have Alzheimer's. So Rachel Timoney is going to have the details for that. With the budget coming up, there's many a good cause needing support. And one of those will be platformed on the show this evening. You'll hear from a group of 24 charities, not-for-profit organisations and campaigners that have come together to form the Coalition of Care. And David's been talking to a member of Ireland's wheelchair basketball team who are in Bosnia for the European Championships. But first, as promised, David, we're going to ploughing. Did you enjoy your time in Ratneska? I did. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, I thought it was my first time at the National Ploughing Championships. It turns out it's not. Oh. I was there as a, a four-year-old, apparently. How could you not remember that? I don't remember my childhood, actually. It's a little personal quirk. I have no memory of it, generally. It was Apparently, it was totally fine and cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> according to reports uh, uh, delivered by my parents, I was very taken by uh, some old-fashioned steam um, tractor things. Okay. Yeah. And did you get to see any of them this year? Um, no, funny enough, covering the ploughing from a news perspective, you're just running from tent to tent to interview people in hot, steamy rooms. Funny enough, actually, it reminded me, like, this couldn't work during the pandemic. Definitely not. But what did you think of the muck and the puddles? It was phenomenal. Really, uh, an absolute expression of Irish weather across three days in the Midlands. Really, really brilliant. Um we're going to move on to our first piece this evening with the Schlieve Blooms, the Grand Canal and plenty more. Besides, there are no shortage of places to walk, hike and climb in the Midlands. We all know this. Uh, Helen Lawless uh, of Mountaineering Ireland was in leash this week to help launch the country's new outdoor recreation strategy. I got her to explain what she was doing at the Ploughing Championships this week. We have a presence here at the Ploughing today uh, in conjunction with the Department of Rural and Community Development uh, because we've worked with the Department on the development of Ireland's new National Outdoor Recreation Strategy, Embracing Ireland's Outdoors, which was launched in November of last year. Uh, We do have a climbing wall here today as well, um, thanks to one of our board members uh, who runs a company called Awesome Walls. Uh, Sadly, it's just a little too windy at the minute, but we hope to have the climbing wall up tomorrow and on Thursday uh, for people to have a go at climbing as well. And we're here to talk with everybody about the joys of the outdoors, the many benefits we get from walking, climbing, other outdoor activities, and also uh, some recent changes to the occupier's liability legislation, which um, further reduces any exposure of landowners to potential liability should somebody become injured on their land. So that's really good news that we're delighted to share with people here of Ratanuska. 
Brilliant. You've nearly left me without questions, but I do have a couple. Um, so, firstly, for, for someone with that kind of mountaineering and hiking background, it must be great from your perspective to see the government coming up with programs and policies that are more embracing that side of Irish culture because we have the, the raw materials out there. It's just about getting the message out and getting people to engage with it. Yes, it is. Look, it's fantastic. I mean, when I suppose Mountaineering Ireland's going for just over 50 years and certainly for the first 30 or so, what we did was really niche. But it's become more and more mainstream, uh, particularly uh, since COVID. And the de department's publication of the National Outdoor Recreation Strategy and Sport Ireland uh, are working with DRCD to deliver the strategy. They're really recognising the need uh, to invest in outdoor recreation, to make people's enjoyment of the outdoors sustainable into the future, to provide people with training, to make the investment in addressing path erosion, providing paths at a lower level in the countryside as well, because people want to walk close to home, that if they've got paths and trails close to home, they can be regularly active. So it, yeah, it is, it's fantastic. We're in a really good space, a really good time. So your brief today is to spread that word essentially to anyone who, who, who looks interested and, and sees your stand here. Exactly, yeah. We're encouraging anybody with an interest in walking, climbing, paddling, the outdoors, uh, to come along here uh, to the Our Rural Future marquee. We're right in the centre of the Government of Ireland village. You'll see the, the climbing tower alongside as well. So drop in, say hello. Uh, there's lots of good information here. One of the other things the department has a focus on is encouraging responsible dog ownership because dog ownership has grown hugely in recent years and, and it is a pressure point naturally for landowners who do not want to see dogs in the vicinity of livestock. So we've got people here today who can uh, chat with the public about that and provide people with some advice on how to um, how to enjoy the outdoors responsibly with their dog and that, that's really about taking your dog to the places where dogs are welcome. I think dogs should be welcome everywhere. Uh, that was Helen Lawless from Mountaineering Ireland covering everything from bouldering, rock climbing, hill walking to pet control. Chloe, would you be much of a hill walker yourself? I do enjoy it, but I feel like I don't have the best track record. I do tend to get lost. Get lost? Yeah. I've oh. gone up the Schlieve Blooms a couple of times and got very lost. Very concerned with the lack of phone signal. But amazing views. So, I, I mean, there is a positive compensation. The, the views are amazing, but they're also quite all very similar, whatever direction you look. So I can see how you can get lost yes. up there. Yes. Uh, whereabouts would you have walked historically for anyone listening? Because there, there's a few great spots. So where I got lost was Monic New up the Schlieve Blooms. But I've also gone to Glen Barrow and the Ridge of Capard, which are all parts of the Schlieve Blooms. Mm. Ridge of Capard is a gorgeous one because it's a boardwalk. And the views from it are amazing. And it's really nice because if you just want to do a short little walk, mm. you can. It only takes five, ten minutes maybe. But then you could do one that takes hours. And then Glen Barrow, of course, the waterfall in it, it's amazing. It's gorgeous. I was actually at that one in Glen Barrow. First time I went up there, brilliant. Second time I went up, we went, we did seven hours and oh. felt like we were lost, even though uh, one of us had the bloody sat nav or whatever it was. Another question for you, Chloe, I'll put you on the spot here. Um, are you are you are you into hemp much? Do you use it? Do you know? Do you, you know CBD oil? All this type of thing. I think it's a newfangled young person's <laughs> thing, really. I can say personally, I've never used it. Yeah. I know people who do and who do like it, 
But um, yeah, I've never <laughs> used it, to be honest. Can't testify to its merits. Then. No. Okay. No. Well, let's hear from somebody who can. We're going back to the National Ploughing Championships. For those who don't know, by the way, because I know we have listeners from outside of the Midlands, uh, maybe listeners outside of the country. The National Ploughing Championships is Europe's biggest outdoor event. I think uh, even with the deluge of rain, there were still over 200,000 people at it. Uh, There's actually very little ploughing goes on. Some very serious ploughing goes on, but there's just about everything else. One of those things we sent out our intrepid reporter, Peter Dunn, to find out about hemp. What is hemp? What does it do? Is it legal? Is it illegal? Well, Fry is here and she's going to answer all the questions about that. We're in the hemp cannabis farming tent. Freya, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Looking at all these products here in front of me, are these all hemp related? Yes, so all of these products on our table today are made of hemp. So here we have clothing, so we have shoes from 8000 Kicks, that's a new company from Mexico. We have Sativa backpacks, Patagonia, dungarees. So Patagonia is great, they have a huge hemp range. But down the line is almost the more interesting products for me. We have hempcrete blocks. So these are blocks made with lime, water and hemp. They're fully breathable, they're antifungal, they're fire resistant, and you can make houses out of them. So we have a book wow. there showing how you build a house with that. Um, and then at the end we have, do you know your fiberglass insulation? Yes. We have the hemp flax alternative, which is made wow. in France, okay. readily available. It's as cheap as that. But, so you can make absolutely anything out of hemp. Bioplastics, there's an absolute range of materials. There's skincare products, obviously CBD from the flowers. The seeds can be made into oils, you can eat the seeds. The stalk can be made into all these things. It's wild. Is hemp legal? Yes. So in Ireland we have a Misuse of Drugs Act and the Misuse of Drugs Act basically st- specifies THC as illegal and the cannabis plant. However, if you apply to the HPRA, the Health Products Regulatory Authority, you can get a license to grow hemp. And no one's ever been refused that license. Like It's not a difficult one to get. It's just your folio, your land, roughly where you're going to grow it and your herd number. And basically once you start growing hemp, there's no THC in that plant. The plants that you're legally allowed to grow in Ireland have no THC, 0.1% or less are the ones that we're allowed to grow here. So I'm, I'm looking at CBD oils here in front of us as well. They come from the hemp plant? Yes, they come from the hemp flower. So because there's no THC, we have other cannabinoids which are readily available and naturally present in the flower. And one of the main ones is CBD. It's, it's one of the most present there. And so when people smoke recreationally, there's a high and there's a relaxing feeling. And the high is from THC and the relaxing feeling is from CBD. So CBD is psychoactive but not psychotropic. So you don't trip, but you do have an effect on your brain. And the effect is fully legal. You're allowed to have this product. Um, And because it's made of the plant that has no THC, there's no danger from using these products. You're not going to get high. And why would people generally use these products? So for anxiety, that's a main reason. Also, it's anti-inflammatory. So people with muscle joint issues, um, MS, any of these kind of chronic pain syndromes, they'd be very much benefited by it. Also, anyone who uses their hands in manual labor, it really softens and soothes your skin. So it can be topical or it can be taken internally because you have CBD receptors inside your body. So CB1 and CB2, they're inside and outside your body. So you can put it on your sore wrist or you can eat it for your sore wrist. Can anybody grow hemp now as a hobby? Um, well, it depends on the hobby. So you, you have to apply for the land that you're going to grow it on at the moment. So if that land is your back garden attached to a house, they will decline. Like it has to be further away. So you're not allowed to, build, to plant it near a house or near a main road. So if you're going to plant it along the main road, then no. But I grew it as a hobby basically the first year. I applied for an acre of land that was that fit all the, the requirements and I didn't make any money from it. So I suppose that's why it's a hobby is that, you know, we, we just grew it to practice to see how it works. And then the next year's was more commercial. Priya, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.
So that's Freya and Peter at the Hemp Tent at the National Ploughing Championships. Next on Health and Fitness, let's find out how the country is coming together to support those with Alzheimer's. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. With the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Edenderry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tillamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help and more. Thehearingconsultancy.ie Welcome back to the programme. Mairead is texting saying she's loving the show. Go on, go on, Chloe and David. Much appreciate that, Mairead. Yesterday, Thursday, was Alzheimer's Awareness Day and through the week across the Midlands and across the country, there's events taking place to raise awareness about a condition that is both stigmatised but is also becoming more widespread in this country. Uh, here, Midlands uh, 103's uh, Rachel Timoney is in discussion with the Communications Officer for Alzheimer's Ireland, and that is uh, Neve Burke. And uh, we're talking Alzheimer's Memory Walks. Alzheimer's Memory Walk, um, it's one of our newer campaigns. So it's been around, it's been around for a couple of years now. Um, and it's kind of getting bigger and better every every year. Um, and this year, we're holding Memory Walk on Sunday, September 24th. So we have a walk happening in over 30 locations uh, in the country. And we also have local walks taking place as well in Leash, Westmead and Offaly. Um, and if your listeners have already signed up for uh, a Memory Walk, brilliant. Our champions would really looking forward to welcoming everyone on Sunday. And if you haven't signed up for a walk, but you'd actually like to get involved, you know, you can just join one of our local walks on Sunday. Um, all our details are on memorywalk.ie. So our walk is taking place in Leash in Mainthrap Park. That's happening at 11 o'clock. We also have a walk taking place uh, in Tullamore at the canal. That's happening at 11 o'clock as well. And we also have a walk happening in Westmead. Um, so that's us multi Farnham Community Centre and that's taking place at 12 o'clock and if you'd like to get involved all the location details and times and everything are on memorywalk.ie um, and then if you want to just show up on the day you know it'll be brilliant we can't wait to see you there and you can also make a donation then on the day if you'd like to support the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland that way um, and if you, you haven't signed up for a walk and you don't think you will uh, take part in Memory Walk on Sunday, but you'd actually still might want to support the organisation, you can text MEMORY to 50300 and you can donate €4 euro, or you can make a donation on memorywalk.ie. So there's, there's many different ways, I suppose, of supporting, uh, supporting the organisation. Why don't we just uh, talk about the condition itself, Alzheimer's. I uh, feel like it's not very well talked about it it predominantly affects the the older community but um what would be some of the the signs or or even the causes of alzheimer's yeah that's a really really good uh question rachel and it's, it's fitting that we're talking about it today as well because september is world alzheimer's month and um, i suppose purpose of the campaign which is a worldwide campaign it's to to raise awareness around the condition that, you know, you've mentioned yourself isn't, isn't talked about enough and just to increase that public understanding around the condition as well. Um, so dementia affects 64,000. So there's 64,000 people living with dementia in Ireland. And the most common type of dementia is, is Alzheimer's. Um, and, you know, in terms of signs and symptoms, obviously, like the condition can affect people and um, it can affect people differently. Um, but just in terms of, you know, kind of certain signs and symptoms, um, there could be, you know, memory problems, uh, particularly with short-term memory. 
Uh, another sign might be um, problems with language. You know, the person might be finding it finding difficult to come up with the right word for something. Um, it could be changes in personality, mood or behaviour. Um, it might be, you know, becoming confused in familiar surroundings or situations. Um, trouble kind of carrying out everyday tasks. Um, but the signs and symptoms can really range depending on the person. And um, I suppose I would say, you know, if any of your listeners out there who are worried about their memory or they're worried about a loved one, then I'd really encourage them just to reach out for support. You know, then they could contact their local GP, but they could contact the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland uh, on our national helpline and talk in confidence at 1800 341 341. So our helpline is open to Monday from Monday to Saturday. Or you can also get in touch uh, by emailing us uh, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland at helpline at alzheimer.ie. Um, and I appreciate, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, it can be a very difficult uh, thing to talk about and a very difficult thing to deal with as well. Um, but I really would just encourage anyone out there, um, you know, if they would like, you know, maybe a little bit of information, a bit of a guidance, just that extra bit of support, uh, please contact the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland and we're here for, you know, people living with dementia and we're here for families affected by dementia, uh, families affected by dementia as well. Um, and just in terms of Alzheimer's Memory Walk, the funds raised from the campaign, you know, they go towards maintaining our, our key services and supports. Uh, so we have services and supports across the country, including our national helpline. Um, we've daycare centres, we've a dementia advisory service, uh, home care um, you know, we've a range of services and supports and the funds, you know, raised will go towards maintaining those. Um, and then if people want to learn more about uh, the services and supports in our area, they can visit alzheimer.ie and we also have um, we also have a range of resources uh, on our on our website as well. Um, but you're right to say that uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, it, it is there is uh, there still is a stigma surrounding the condition and um, you know there was much more of a stigma a few years ago but there is still a stigma surrounding the condition and that's why campaigns like memory walk are so great um, because they're there to you know memory walk raises really important funds but it's also there you know to raise awareness uh, just awareness of the condition and just to kind of open up that dialogue um, just around around Alzheimer's and dementia, and it's just a really good opportunity for people to come together uh, on Sunday, September twenty fourth, uh, to honour, to celebrate, and just to just to spare thought for people living with dementia and for their family carers as well. And you obviously mentioned you have a, a lot of resources there to help people, but um, with regards to to treatments and to living with Alzheimer's, and I know I've read. Uh, some articles about possible cures for it, uh, medication-wise. What what would you recommend in in that sphere? Yeah, so just in terms around, um, I suppose uh, breakthroughs in in treatment for Alzheimer's dementia. We have seen significant breakthroughs this year in the development of treatment options for Alzheimer's disease, and um, with drugs like denanemab and lecanemab that can that can alter the course of Alzheimer's disease and slow with progression. Um, but it's just important to note that the drugs aren't cures. Uh, there is currently no cure for dementia, um, and that's why our services and supports are vital for people living with dementia and their families. Um, and that's why fundraising campaigns, again, like Alzheimer's Memory Walk are so important. 
because the funds raised from the campaign, you know, they go towards maintaining our key services and supports as well. And uh, what tips would you have for any family carers who might have a loved one who's recently diagnosed? What, what would you say to the families of someone who, who's recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I suppose the first thing I would say is, you know, I know I've said it already, but it's just to reach out for support and help. Um, you know, just in relation to services and supports that are in your area, just in relation to, to guidance and more information about it, um, contact the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland on 1800-341-341. Um, you know, for example, we have an excellent dementia advisory service um, and we also do family care training courses across the country um, that are run online and in person. Um, but I would just encourage a family carer, you know, just to reach out to the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland for support. And we talked a little bit about the, the stigma around uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, how have you gone about challenging that stigma in recent years? Yeah, I think a lot of it to do is just raising awareness and um, just to increase that public understanding knowledge around a condition um, that affects, you know, affects thousands of families across Ireland um, and campaigns, you know, we've, we've really excellent fundraising campaigns, uh, research and advocacy teams that just do hugely, really, really important work um, and we're really just, all our campaigns are obviously around raising, you know, fundraising campaigns like God's Armour's Memory Walk, um, but it's here to raise awareness as well. Um, which is what we try and do, just to just to kind of have that conversation, you know, so people can just to kind of educate each other about us, talk more about us, um, you know, so we can all so we can all kind of learn learn more about the condition. You know, you might have some listeners out there, um, you know, they might not have anyone in their family affected by dementia. They might not have a friend affected by dementia, but they will have someone in the community affected by dementia. So I would just encourage anyone, if they're interested in maybe learning a little bit more about the condition, just to visit alzheimer.ie. We have some really excellent resources and you can learn all about kind of, um, you know, the condition and and resources that are available as well. So that's on our website at alzheimer.ie. Yeah, big thanks to Neve Burke from Alzheimer's Ireland there. Chloe, what have we got next? So Health and Fitness is talking to the Coalition of Care. Stay tuned. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy with free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, Mullingar Dental Clinic and now at Keen's Care Plus Pharmacy Edendary, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Very welcome back to the programme. The Home Care Coalition is a broad collection of carers all across the country. Um, They have combined and come together uh, essentially to make their shared voice louder when it comes uh, to calling for supports. And very much at this time of year, that is front and centre. Budget 2024 uh, is relatively imminent in relation to uh, the annual calendar. I'm very glad to say uh, that uh, the Director of Advocacy uh, with the Disability Federation of Ireland, uh, who are, of course, part of the Home Care Coalition Group, uh, joins me to talk about uh, these issues. Emer Begley, thanks very much for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening. Thanks very much, David. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Let's talk about the Home Care Coalition. Uh, first, though, I, I want to put front and centre the issues that are most important for the coalition in relation to um, funding and in relation uh, to the budget. What uh, 
you all need to see provisioned for. Could you talk us through that this evening? Yeah, well, you mentioned we're abroad, uh, a group alliance of organisations, but we've come together on the very important and critical issue of home care supports and their home care supports for older people, for people with disabilities, for people with long term health conditions. And their home care is a great support as well for family carers. So we have family carers among our group as well. But we've two key asks in our pre-budget submission this year. One is that we have see an increase in the budget for home care supports. The the annual funding for home care is currently over 700 million but the economic and social research institute has said there needs to be a 30 over 30% increase in that to meet demand. So we're calling for an increase to match that. And that's really connected to stat- the statutory home care scheme, which is imminent. This is legislation coming down that will um, make home care a, a statutory um, uh, requirement for this government to provide home care to the growing population of older people and the growing population of people with disabilities. So that's our key ask. And we're a broad alliance, but we've all come together on this really important issue that we all feel is critical. The second point, if I can go into that, we only have two points in our pre-budget. Yeah, do, please. The second, the second point is in relation to funding for what we what are called Section 39 funded organisations. These are voluntary organisations who provide home care supports. And for the last over 10 years, they haven't received any increased funding to support the salaries of their workers. So there's been this pay disparity between home care workers and Section 39 funded organisations are not receiving the same funding or same salaries as HSE colleagues who are doing the same work. So we're calling on pay parity and for Section 39 funded organisations to receive uh, funding to uplift the salaries of staff. And the purpose of this isn't to give people more money, but it's just to ensure that it's not just to give people the salary that equates to the job they're doing, but it's really about ensuring that people have continuity of service at home and that they are getting the supports they need at home. And these often locally um, run organisations are sustained to support people in the community. That's really what home care is about, isn't it, David? You know, Mm. that it's about care at home, in the community, keeping people active and engaged and taking pressure off other systems of care, like acute hospitals and nursing homes. Yeah, and and, and there's a couple of details that uh, I might touch on in relation to those um, two specific things that you're campaigning for as part of the Home Care Coalition in a moment. But on the broader point of home care, what may be attainable and achievable in terms of financial support uh, from a government perspective uh, will actually it has such a fundamentally positive effect on the individuals who are affected by this because the difference between being provided for and not when it comes to home care is very stark. And and again, the difference between maybe uh, being able to have a familiar face as somebody who is supported to come into the same home uh, regularly. Um, This kind of infrastructure, when it is properly supported, it has um, exponential gains for the people who are on the receiving end of the care. Absolutely. And, you know, we have a family carers who are involved in our in our alliance group and they would see it as being hugely important in terms of c- preventing carer burnout. 
And we're, you know, I've talked to many people with disabilities, many older people who are receiving home care, and they have very personal relationships between their home care workers who come into their home. And people want choice. They want really valid, you know, choices about being able to stay at home in their own surroundings rather than having feeling like there's no option. It's either um, nursing homes or families are in crisis and people go into acute hospitals. So we're really looking for sustainable funding. So this isn't just once off. Mm. It's looking at this as long term options for people. We have an ageing population, thankfully, in Ireland. Mm. So we're going to see increased numbers of older people, increased numbers of people with disability. So there has to be real investment into this, as you said, such an important integral infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, on, on, on one of the details here, it kind of knocks me out that the ASRI is looking at a projected increase of uh, demand um, of 31.8%. Mm-hmm. So to mm-hmm. basically stand still in terms of what is being provided for uh, mm-hmm. that that extra budget al- allocation uh, is required. It really puts into uh, stark relief exactly how quickly this um, issue is developing. And and we've seen historically, if the health service doesn't get out ahead of these things, uh, then we can set ourselves back almost a generation if we're not um, timing this right. Absolutely. And I, I, I think uh, you have to look at the existing unmet demand at the moment. So there's 6,400 people who are currently on a waiting list for home support. Mm. And um, the health service capacity review went look, looked to 2031 and what will be the requirement in less than 10 years. And there will be 11,000 more home care packages needed, 130 intensive home care packages needed in addition to what we have and 7.2 million home help hours anticipated. So you're talking about year on year increased demand for home care services that we have to look at this as a long term a long term approach. Government have to view this as a long term approach and there needs to be critical investment now to support the home care, the statutory home care scheme which is imminent. And home care, just on those two words, is uh, such a massive proposition. This coalition is made up of 23 uh, charities, not-for-profits not and campaigners. Um, this has been, have, have all of you been brought together uh, because of what you're seeing coming down the tracks? Um, or is it more this sort of a shared concern about of a lack of support or kind of a hybrid of that? You might talk us through the kind of objectives that the group shares beyond the two things you're calling for in this year's budget. Yeah, the, the Home Care Coalition came about in response to the development of the statutory home care scheme. So we are organisations working in this space, not-for-profits, charities, as you said, campaigners, working with older people, people with disabilities, and working directly with carers. And the importance of the statutory home care scheme is that it has to be equitable across the country. It has to be available. It has to be rights-based and it has to be person-centred. So there, that's our shared vision for the statutory home care scheme. So we're campaigning with government, with government departments on the development of the scheme. And then in the last number of years, we've put together a joint pre-budget submission 
which is a, a, a platform of shared issues for all 23 charities. And, and that's no mean feat doing that, David, I have to say, like, but it just mm-hmm. shows the importance of this, that we have a collective voice on these particular issues and that we're highlighting them as, as critically important for Budget 2024. And a final question, Emer. I appreciate uh, you taking the call off us this evening, is on your hopes and expectations. Um, do you feel that in dealing with the government, you've got um, a willing recipient to your message? And whilst everybody is contacting the government at the moment, looking uh, for what they very are able to, very rightly able to describe as important priorities from their perspective, and uh, what kind of confidence do you have that, for instance, your coup, uh, two key demands or requests will be met? Well, in the last number of budgets, we've seen small increases in home care provision, like 50 million one year, um, 100 million another year. But we're asking for a substantial increase on that this year with the statutory home care scheme coming down the tracks. We do feel there is a receptive um, ear to the concerns, but whether the funding will follow has yet to be determined. I think governments talk about economic return on investment. And certainly with home care, you're going to get that because you're going to keep people out of nursing homes and out of acute hospitals, which are vastly more expensive. But we need to also think about the social return on investment, David. So what does it mean for individuals, their quality of life, their well-being? What is the social return for people about staying well at home for as long as possible, staying connected with their community for families to actually be families as well as family carers? So that social return has to play a bigger part in some of the economic decision making. That was David and Emer Begley from the Coalition of Care. David, what's coming the other side of the break? We're going to bring you to Sarajevo in Bosnia and Herzegovina to meet a Midlands man representing his country in wheelchair basketball. Health and fitness with David Hollywood in association with the Hearing Consultancy. Passionate about hearing and hearing health, we use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on thehearingconsultancy.ie. Now, for many young Irish person, it's just a dream to be able to pull on a green jersey and represent uh, your country. I'm very glad to say that uh, joining us on Health and Fitness this evening is uh, one man who's actually managed to make that a reality currently out in Sarajevo in Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, for the European Championships in Division C of uh, Wheelchair Basketball representing Ireland. Dermot Berry, thanks for taking our call today. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Now, we're very privileged to get you on the show. As I understand, you've just rolled off the court in the last couple of hours in what was uh, an important game in your group. You were taking on Armenia and victory here uh, would have guaranteed you guys progression to the semi-final. So how did that go? Yeah, correct and right. Um, yeah, it was a good old start, you know. Um, we got two points up in the board fairly quick. Um, so, you know, kind of settled the nerves Um we ended up, uh, I think it was 80 to 14 points in the end. But, um, you know, after yesterday's defeat to Portugal, the favourites, uh, we wanted to bounce back strong. So and that's how we, we did it today. And so hopefully tomorrow in the semi-finals, um, either Czech Republic or Bulgaria, um, hopefully we'll proceed on to the finals. You were very good there, um, not to mention the fact that you top scored in the game as well. I'm right in saying that, am I? Uh, yeah, that's easy done when you've got great teammates around you, you know. And I was just in the right place at the right time, you know. 
Well, uh, certainly we'll be giving you credit here in health and fitness for that. Well done on that front. Um, you had a win against Finland the first uh, round. Tricky game against Portugal, as you outlined there. You'd be hoping maybe that you'll um, be meeting, the, uh, meeting them again in the decider. Um, so in terms of the next game, you're into the last four. And uh, who will you be facing, did you say? Uh, it could be Czech Republic or Bulgaria, um, mm. depending on the outcome this evening. But... Um, We'll be going to watch that game, I think. Um, so it doesn't matter either or uh, both teams, they finished, they played each other and there's only two points in the difference. So both teams are equally as strong. So we don't mind who we get. We're going to get straight to the final. Now you're flying the flag for Ireland, but you're also flying the flag for Offaly as well, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a local man from Killy and I uh, represent my club in Leash in Clemens Lee. So yeah, it's a great privilege. That's it. Um there's 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 great joy to be gotten from representing be it a club or a collection of individuals or even a country in this respect what does it mean to you to be able to uh, compete on an international stage and uh, have all that support behind you well um you know it's a funny story at the you know uh, last august my coach uh, from Clinton Lee, he uh, begged me and another guy to go to the Ireland trials just to get to get drills that we could bring back to Clinton Lee because mm. we had, we didn't think we would make any team. Um, so I ended up making the team in August, and I can't believe I'm here at the minute. And I started a game today for Ireland, which was not nothing I was worried about a year ago. You know, I didn't think I'd make past one trials, and I didn't think anything of it. But um, it was brilliant. Everybody played well. We had a couple of guys who got their first points for Ireland, which is myself and Mark Murphy um, from Drogheda. So, you know, it was great. It means a lot to us. You can see it all in our faces. Um, I don't think we're tired yet, but uh, I'd say that'll happen shortly. I was watching the game this afternoon for as long as um, work would allow me. And the thing that strikes me in watching it is how skillful you need to use how skillfully you need to use your judgment on the roll of the wheelchair as in literally it rolling forward as you move into a pass and how to gauge passing based on the fact that someone is rolling forward uh, there's a huge amount of calibration that must go on there uh yeah like i timing is uh, second to none in the basketball because a lot of picks come like uh, that would be say if i was trying to catch a defender i come up and i train slide in front of him to stop him from proceeding back to his own defence and just timing and speed uh, something I have to work on and but it's just all down to that and getting into the right position the right spots on the court to take that shot Um, Yeah and beyond that then another thing that struck me was that as these uh, wheelchairs uh, roll there's so much impact like uh, it's it's uh, an, an extremely uh, physically exerting sport by the looks of it and, and, and in a way counterintuitively to one degree quite violent uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a non-contact sport. Um, no, really, there's a lot of contact in it. Like, And um, I guess you need to, like, if you just give a little bit of contact to the guy beside you, you kind of slow him down, you kind of stop him. Um, it's supposed to be non-contact, but it just depends on the way you hit the guy. Like, you, you couldn't hit somebody head on. That, that'd be like, that's a no, no, you get a foul for that. But, like, you have to be cute in the game. Um, it's all about slowing down the opposition, hmm. keeping them away from your bass, keep pushed out as much as you can. Talk to me about the physical requirements then. Obviously, upper body strength is a big part of it. How do you develop that and, and how do you train for the sport? Um, yeah, well, we have a strength and conditioning coach, Alan Deneen from Cork. Um, so he had us in the gym uh, four times a week and then basketball twice a week with my own local club and another club uh, in Kilkenny. 
twice uh, twice a week. So it was uh, a lot of heavy lifting for the first half of the year, and then it was just tapering out and trying to get the fitness up. Um, so it was just uh, mainly fitness come the last three months, easy on the weights, the heavy weights. Um, so we were just getting our engines ready, you know, getting fitter. And whilst you're putting in those building blocks and, and that conditioning and that uh, strengthening that in and of itself, it, it it must kind of help you prepare mentally for it going in, knowing that you're sort of physically able to 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 lean into everything in that way. Yeah, um, funny enough, we actually had a sports psychologist, Jesse, as well. Um, you know, our management really pulled out all the stops. Um, like this is my first year, but for, uh, coming from other players, that this is the most well organized Ireland team uh, over the last couple of years. You know, um, they're making sure each part of our game is solid. You know, and we don't let the heads go down. You've got a great bunch of guys around you who always pull you up. You know, if you miss that shot, you won't hear anybody giving out for missing that shot. You got into that position to get the score anyway. You know, so like it's all uh, the camaraderie here is brilliant, and um, we're bond. We've bonded so well over the last fourteen months. You know, and um, we are a unit, like, and we're one to watch out for. It's it must be great to be part of something that's got that level of uh, bordering on sort of professional sport uh, and support, I should say. Um, how the sport manages uh, the people with a different range of abilities, I find quite interesting, Dermot. You might talk me through this because obviously um, if somebody is using a wheelchair or is participating in something like wheelchair basketball, it's not because everybody has had either the same specific injury or it might have been uh, something from birth. Um, there's so many different ways um, people's use of a wheelchair might be manifest. So how, how does the sport like wheelchair basketball then manage and balance that when it comes to performances on the court? Yeah, so uh, each team gets 14 points um, allocated to them for each game. So I myself, I'm uh, 3.5 points. Um, so then that leaves uh, 11, 10 and a half points for the rest of the team. Um, I had a stroke of the spinal cord, but I, I'm able to walk. Um, so I'd be higher points than somebody else. And then you have guys who have injury safe in T4 who don't like might not have feeling from below their chest. They'd be like classed as a one point. So it's just uh, you mix and match, you know, you you'd have maybe one or two high points on the team and then uh, two or three low pointers. But you can mix and match as long as you don't go over the 14 points. Everybody, there's like there might be a couple of the same disabilities here at this tournament, but nearly everybody is different in their own way, you know, and we're all different sizes and shapes. And um, But just that's a, it's a good way to keep everybody in line and keep each team fair because you couldn't have um, a lot of lads that have great range of mobility, you know. No, it's a tricky one to balance uh, from an organizer's perspective because uh, either you create huge amount of categories or you find a way uh, to bring every, everybody together. And at least in this regard, it is inclusive. Um, just to reach the end of our conversation, Dermot, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us over in Sarajevo. I know, uh, for instance, uh, in your environment, the Internet does not come easily. Um, the question I wanted to ask you as, at the end here is, Ultimately, from your perspective, what does sport mean? You say you had a stroke of the spinal cord to be able to exert yourself and compete and all of those kinds of things and represent, be it a club, county, country. Um, sum that up from an internal perspective for us. Um, yeah, like when I had the uh, stroke um, back in 2018, the day before my birthday, I like... Uh, I knew that hurling was now out. Uh, I used to love hurling. Mm. So I had to think about what I was going to do. A lot of dark days. Um, when I got into the NRH in Dunleary, they introduced me to basketball. And, like I love sports. 
So I picked up the basketball straight away and I went to the first night, uh, Monday night in Clinisley and I just loved the game. I just loved being back on the court. And, you know, when I, I walked in and I had a, a sense of guilt because I was walking and most other people were sitting in chairs, like uh, not by choice. So I felt a little bit guilty walking in, but then after 10 or 15 minutes and they start slapping off the front of your chair, <laughs> it's fair game. You know, everybody's, um, when you go back out onto that court, <laughs> nobody has a disability. Like we're all well able, if you know what I mean. So it's great. Like it's great for the, great for me, great for my club. Um, it's great for the county as well. You know, it's just great to be back at sports and it gives you something else to do, something else to look forward to. It's not just work, you know, just because you're disabled doesn't mean you're restricted. Like, you know, you can get out there, you can get doing more sports and especially basketball is one of those. And as you say, you've gone on uh, to do much more than many of us ever uh, could dream of. And it does it does go to show uh, simply applying yourself and having that attitude and putting yourself out there is such a big part of uh, moving any of our lives for Dermot Berry. Uh, the very best of luck uh, with the semi-finals of the European Championships in Sarajevo and hopefully a final. We may well catch up with you after the tournament um, but uh, for the moment thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening. Thanks a million David. I'll give you a call back and have the gold around my neck. Good man. <laughs> Good man, Dermot Berry. Yeah, we got the results through uh, shortly, actually, just a short while ago. Unfortunately, Ireland lost their semi-final against Czech Republic 59-49. Bronze medal uh, may well be around the neck. And uh, congrats to the Irish wheelchair rugby team. Um, They're over competing in the European Championships as well in Italy. They beat Sweden 51-45. We are just nearly done for another week of health and fitness on Midlands 103 uh, Chloe Farrell has been on the show every week she's been bringing us the news and um, the views from the community around the Midlands Chloe um, the reason you're on this evening is that uh, you're stepping off the health and fitness boat as it were and you're moving on uh, for the moment instead of um, helping the people of the Midlands you're going to help some of the animals across the Midlands yeah, I'll be stepping over to dog grooming, animal care, kennels and doggy daycare. So, bit of a change, but... You're you looking know, forward to it? Definitely looking forward to it, but you never know what could happen. Exactly so. that. Um, you're certainly always welcome back on the show. We have literally run out of time. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you. It's been great working with you and uh, I'm going to miss you on the show. Thank you so much. That's it from Health and Fitness. Uh, Joe Cooney brings you the best in American and Irish country music after the news at 8.